For thousands of years, devout Jews have twice prayed daily for a familiar passage which they call the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The name Shema comes from the first word in Hebrew. Hear, Shema, listen. But it's not just a hearing of the words, but a call to act upon them. When we read Deuteronomy 6, we're being told something worth paying attention to. Now, most English translations have something similar to the ESV. They say, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. But if there was ever a verse to use God's personal name as written instead of Lord, it would be this one. So I like the emphasized Bible. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh alone. Not just any God is our God, only Yahweh, the creator, the redeemer, the lawgiver. He is your God and he alone. So how does he want us to love him? Let's just start with the concept of love. We love lots of things in lots of different ways that even the Bible recognizes. In Genesis 22, verse 2, we're told that Abraham loves his son, Isaac. In Genesis 29, 18, we read that Jacob loved Rachel and wants to marry her. And in Genesis 27, verse 4, we read that Isaac loved food. Each of these passages uses the same Hebrew word for love that God demands of us in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so with such a range of things that we can honestly say we love, where does God rank? Does he belong more with the love of Abraham and his love for Isaac? Or does it belong with Isaac's love for soup? God gives us three qualifiers to inform us of the love that God seeks, the love that elevates him above anything else in our lives. We're commanded to love God in the extreme with all of our heart, soul, and might. Now, like in English today, Hebrew would use different body parts to represent the more abstract qualities of a man. The arm was for strength, the head for leadership, and quite a few of those metaphors carry on into English because they just logically make sense to us. But not all body metaphors carry over as easily. And so in order to understand how we are to love God, we have to understand what these body parts, the heart, the soul, and might, represented. Thankfully, the context helps explain these three features. We use the heart to talk about our emotions. Hebrew used it in a similar fashion with the added function of logical thought, where we would draw a distinction between our thoughts and intelligence in the head and our emotions and feelings in the heart. Hebrew puts all of it in the heart. Most everything you think or feel, from the Hebrew perspective, that comes from the heart. So how do we make that happen? How do we love God with all of our heart? Well, verse 7 is instructive. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Loving God with all of our heart means that he is to be our focus all day, every day. When we're sitting at home, we're thinking and talking about God. When we're running our errands or commuting, we're thinking about God and his word. In the morning when we get up, until we lie down for that night, all day, God is the highest focus. And so his words need to be a constant throughout our day. But loving God has to go beyond our thoughts. Loving God with all of your soul is a bit trickier to understand. We typically think of souls as these spiritual things that inhabit our body and leave upon our death. But that's not what Deuteronomy is talking about. 
It's the Hebrew word nephesh. And the nephesh is everything that you are. Not just the abstract spiritual things, but everything from your head to your toe, that's your soul. Once again, we see this explained by the context. You loved with your heart by making God your every thought. You love with your soul by offering yourself up to him. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. The Jewish practice that eventually developed out of this verse was to literally write out this passage, put it in a little box, and tie that to your hands and to your forehead so it hangs in between your eyes. And what it symbolized was that my hands and my actions and everything that I do are bound to God's word. Every situation I find myself in is viewed through the lens of God's word so that I can respond appropriately. And finally, we're to love God with all of your might. To love God with all of your might, all of your power, that's to love God with your utmost. It's not just loving God with all of our strength, determination, and fortitude, but with everything that was within our power our resources, our possessions, as is reflected in some translations, actually. And this is explained again more fully in verse 9. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Everything that we have power or authority over, that's to be used for God's purposes, whether it be using our money for charity, our homes for hospitality, or our influence for evangelism. Everything that we have power over, that goes to God. So loving God is far more than an emotional feeling. It's a complete reorientation of our lives to him. Loving God means giving him everything, just as he gave everything for us when he gave his son to die on the cross. 